Amen. Everybody will be happy over there. I'm glad that we know that there's a place that we can look forward to going where we will be happy. Uh, but I want to share with you this morning that there are reasons to be happy over here. Uh, for God is with us. And as long as God is with us, there's reasons to be happy. Uh, the Bible says, happy are ye when you suffer for the cause of Christ. I think there's reason to be happy uh, over here. Truly, God has been good. He has blessed us to be able to assemble this morning. Uh, he has blessed us. I pray that he's blessed you to have a reason to give thanks this past week. Uh, and I pray that that thanks was given. Uh, we shared on last Lord's Day that the, the, the focus of thanksgiving thanks should always be on God. Uh, God has given us all things and provided all things for us. And so he ought to be given uh, the thanks that he is certainly due uh, and entitled to. I uh, want to quickly just uh, call your attention, if you will, to our, to our text in the book of Colossians as we return to our theme, as we return to the discussion uh, concerning the seeds of the sower. Uh, we are now, if you will, in the what we'll call the home stretch, if you will. Uh, we are now in the last uh, few weeks of this year. Pray God bless us to live to see the end of it. Uh, but we're now in the, the, the last week, if you will, of, um, uh, of uh, November, and we're now moving, if you will, certainly, uh, God bless us to live into December. And so we'll be ending this theme, uh, the seeds of the sower, uh, for this year. Uh, we're ending on a, uh, a, a, a thought that deals with the testimony uh, of, the, of, of the seed. Uh, we know Galatians helps us to understand who that seed is. We, we know that that seed is Christ. Uh, for Galatians helps us to understand that if you be Christ's, then are you Abraham's seed according to uh, knowledge. And so we, we understand that we are speaking about that seed, not of many, but the seed as of one. And that seed is Christ. And so we're so thankful to God uh, for this opportunity to close out uh, with the testimony uh, of the seed. Now, we have been talking about uh, the, the, the right hand uh, of, uh, of God. We've been talking about the right hand of the, uh, uh, being a place of honor, uh, being a place of authority. Uh, and we shared that because we recognize that Christ is at the right hand of the Father. Uh, and the Bible makes it very clear in Matthew chapter 28 and 18 that he has all uh, authority. We know that he has recounted that and made it very known, if you will, to the apostles uh, that they would acknowledge the fact that uh, there is no other authority but that that, that is of God. Uh, we, I thought it necessary to emphasize that case because, you know, there are a lot of people who think that the devil has authority. Uh, so I just want to stop by and let everybody know that the devil has no authority. Uh, the devil's waiting on judgment, amen, uh, and he's waiting on judgment just like others uh, who have, if you will, failed to obey God's word. Uh, the devil has no authority. Anything that you do that is contrary to God, you have done that because you've chosen to do that. We have free will. Uh, so we need to make sure that we're, we, don't, we don't think that we're going to be able to stand before God and, and to somehow blame the devil for what we have done. Uh, so all authority, Jesus says, is given unto him in heaven and in earth. Uh, and that makes it very clear, especially when it comes to spiritual matters. Uh, the secular, we can set that aside because we know that uh, all carnal things are of the world. 
uh, and God, if you will, is, uh, uh, is understanding of what our needs are uh, and has identified that if we continue, if you will, uh, to, to seek after him, that all these things shall be added unto us. Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 33. So carna, the carnal things of life that deal with our necessity of existence is not our focus. Our focus should be seeking the righteousness of God, seeking to do his will uh, in order that our souls uh, may be saved. Uh, and so the whole idea of the seeds of the sower is to understand that the purpose, uh, if you will, of the sower is one day to harvest uh, the, the, the fruits of the seed uh, that, has been, uh, that has been planted. And we started this whole discussion in Matthew chapter 13, as we talked about uh, the parable of the, uh, the sower of the seed. And we, we, we went there on last Lord's Day because we started talking about the importance of harvesting uh, the seed. Brother Joseph made known in his prayer this morning that the, 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 the harvest is certainly white, but the labors are few. Pray that the Lord sends more laborers into his harvest. Uh, but the harvest is truly white, and God is going to reap his harvest. Uh, we know this last Lord's Day. We talked about, if you will, that one day after all this is over, after Christ has come back and received unto himself a glorious church, the children of the kingdom, the good seed, as the Bible makes it very clear. Um, when that good seed is harvested, that good seed is harvested in the kingdom. And we need to make sure we understand that. It is harvested in the kingdom. Now, the field is the world. Amen. But God's not coming to save the world. God's coming to save the church. Amen. When he died on the cross, he gave the world an opportunity to be saved. Amen. But if they're not saved, if people choose not to be saved at the time of his coming, that is his coming uh, for the church, then they will be lost. Amen. Remember what Peter says, judgment begins first at the house of God. Amen. And if it first begin with us, then where shall the sinner and the ungodly appear? In other words, if it, since judgment is going to be at the house of God, then you, you don't have to worry about those who are outside the church of God, uh, church of Christ, church of God, amen, because they'll be lost, amen. The house of God is the church of God, the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. And so when people become part of this seed, part of the children of the kingdom, uh, uh, they will one day be delivered up if, in fact, they remain faithful. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse number 24, Jesus said to the church at Corinth that at the end of it all, since all things have been placed under Jesus' feet, giving him all authority and all power, it was already understood that all things save for the Father himself. Amen. But once all this is over, once all these things come to an end, once the seed is gathered from the harvest, the good seed is gathered, if you will, to be ready to be presented uh, as the church before God, then all things will once again be placed under the Father's feet. Amen. He wants to be once again be over all in all. And so we, we understand that when the testimony of the seed is being given, we must be listening to the authority of God. We must be listening to what God has said and what God desires for each and every person to know in order that they might be saved. Now, that right hand of authority was the beginning of this, these series of sermons that we are closing out with. But then we, we move to the right hand of righteousness because we have to understand that, that when Jesus shares forth his authority, he is, shedding, he is sharing his authority that we might become something. You see, we can't remain what we were when we were in the world. There must be a transition. There must be a transformation. Amen. And you must become that which God desires to be saved. Amen. 
Remember, we know that Paul wrote to the church at Rome and he let them know, you know, that that uh, uh, Romans chapter five, also Romans chapter three, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. While we were yet in our sins, Christ died for the ungodly. We know these scriptures. Uh, amen. But when we when we talk about uh, the, 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 the transformation of our souls, Paul wrote, if you will, in Romans chapter 12. Amen. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may show forth with that good and acceptable will, perfect will of God. Amen. And he says, be not conformed to the world. In other words, there's a transition and a transformation that must take place in order for you to be saved. And that's why we talk about the issue of the seed. Because remember, the field is the world. Amen. We were all in the world. Amen. We all still in the world. Lord have mercy. But the difference is that some of us have chosen not to be of the world any longer. Amen. Amen. John chapter 17. Amen. Helps us to understand that. Uh, amen. We, 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 uh, we were in, they're in the world, but no longer of the world because their transformation has taken place. A transplanting has been uh, has taken place. Amen. We were in the world growing up like weeds. Amen. In a garden following after all the uh, the various uh, 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 lusts of life, the pride of life. First John two fifteen. looking upon the things of the world, fulfilling our carnal mind that that uh, motivated our carnal flesh. And we did all those things. But when we heard the word of God, the power of God, the authority of God. Amen. Those of us who, if you will, allowed our spirits to receive that seed, the seed, Luke says, is the word of God. When we receive that word of God, we, we let the seed work on us and change us and transplant us and to transfer us and be, if you will, into the kingdom of his dear son through the watery grave of baptism. And so we allowed this to happen. Amen. God doesn't force you to obey the gospel. You choose to obey the gospel. God doesn't force you to live like a Christian. You choose to live like a Christian. And so we see the power of, uh, of, of the authority of God for there's a purpose to it. And that purpose is to become righteous. And when you look at uh, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 19, he talks about why Christ died, died on the cross, amen, became sin of the whole world, the ministry of reconciliation. For what purpose, Lord? Why did you die on the cross? Why did you give your life, if you will, on the cross, shed your blood on the cross, suffer the pain of the cross? Why were all these things done? That we might become the righteousness of God in him. That we might have an opportunity to become the righteousness of God in him. So being on the right hand, if you will, of righteousness is about Christ being in us and we in Christ. And being Christ in us and we in Christ, we become brethren with him. And God becomes, if you will, our father. Uh, and we're so thankful that uh, as we, as we, as we uh, continue to think about what it means to become the righteousness of God, we, we continue to emphasize that the, that the good seed and the righteousness of God cannot be accomplished outside the kingdom. It has to be accomplished within the kingdom. The good seed is planted in the kingdom. Who planted the good seed? Matthew chapter 13 makes it known that it is Jesus who planted the good seed. And that good seed that's going to be saved can only be saved in the kingdom, can't be saved outside the kingdom. The field is the world, but the kingdom is Christ, is the body of Christ, it is the church. When we look at the devil, the devil has planted seeds too. And not only did the devil plant seeds in the field of the world, the devil has planted seeds in the church. Amen. And when the apostle said, Lord, shall we go remove the, 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 uh, uh, the, the weeds or the chaff, if you will, from the 
uh, uh, th those that have grown up among the, uh, the wheat, he says, uh, no, let them alone. Let them grow together. Amen. Let them grow together. Why? Because he says, I know those that are mine. I know those that are mine. That's why judgment begins first at the house of God. Because he knows those that are his. And if it first begin at us, then where shall the sinner and the ungodly appear? And so we, we, we see then the analogy that we might become the righteousness of God, that we, that, we, that, that, that we become part of the kingdom, part of his body, if you will, part of, uh, uh, of the church. And, and by becoming this, we then are that good seed, the children of God, that one day, if we remain faithful, will be saved. The kingdom of God is about joy. It is about peace. But there are other things that it's about. It's about long-suffering. It's about mercy. It's about kindness. But we know that all these things come together when you are focused on one day being saved by Jesus Christ, by being a part of the church. Let me call your attention very quickly to Colossians chapter 1. In Colossians chapter 1 that was read, into your, read in your hearing this morning, Paul writes to the church of Colossae, and he says something very clear here, very, uh, uh, very pointed. We started from verse number nine. I'm going in our scripture reading. I'm going to start from verse number one in the in the sermon, because I want you to get the full context of this. We will still culminate and end with verse uh, with verse number thirteen, but but I still want you to see the importance of this writing. Now, Paul's writing to the church of Colossae, and he's writing to them because these are individuals, if you will, members of the body of Christ who have, who have, who have if you will, given themselves over to God and have committed themselves uh, uh, un, un, unto, the, uh, unto the Father to live lives as Christian lives should, amen, that they one day might be saved. Paul, verse number one, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God and Timotheus, our brother, to the saints, and I love when he says that. Because when he talks about to the saints, that means he's talking to the church. Amen. Amen. He's talking to the body of Christ, the children of God, the good seed, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ, which are at Colossae. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks. Lord, have mercy. Give thanks to who? Give thanks to God. We already preached that last, last Sunday. We give thanks to God. And the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we, heard, since we heard of your faith in Jesus and the love which ye have to all the saints, for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof, whereof ye heard before in the word of truth of the gospel. I'm going to pause there for a second. They became these saints. They became these uh, uh, the, the children of God. They became the church at Colossae. How did they become these things? How did they become the saints? How did they become, if you will, the church at Colossae? He said, you've become this because of the word of truth, of the gospel. Maybe that's why Paul says in Romans 1 and 16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to all those who believe, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. For it is written, the just shall live by faith. He's speaking these things because the seed, which is the word of God, which gives you, if you will, the foundation of the faith, is what these individuals have believed. And now that they have believed it, they are striving to live this life that one day can be found worthy. It is a righteous life or a life of righteousness. 
something that was contrary to the world. These individuals have chosen to live differently, and it is based on the word of truth. And this is so important. John 17, 17, when he says, sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. The word sanctify there means to set apart, to set apart, to set apart. It not only means to set apart, but it also means to make holy. Amen. Comes from that same root word. Amen. Hagios. We come together and we are sanctified. We're sanctified by God. We're set apart by God. We're set apart to be what? To be different. That we might become something different. Different from that which is in the world, but if you will, uh, but translating and transforming ourselves into that by the word of God, into that which becomes acceptable unto God. That we might be different by the word of truth, separated and set apart as God's chosen people, as the children of Israel were in the Old Testament, set apart to be God's peculiar people. In the New Testament, it is the church that Peter says is set apart. A spiritual body, set apart, spiritual people, royal priesthood, Peter calls us. We're set apart, sanctified for the cause of Christ. And the power of that moves into the concept of the church itself, the kingdom, the body. Because you come with, you, you, you identify the Greek word, the ekklesia, which means the called out ones. But the underlying idea of the called out ones are those who are being set apart. Set apart from the world. You're called out of something. You're set apart from the things of the world to become that which God desires to save. And so that's why it's so important when people understand the truth of the gospel, the power of the gospel to save, the, the power of the gospel to save and to, and to, and to preserve those who desire to uh, uh, reach heaven's glory, the power of the word of God, the seed, uh, which is the word of God, which is planted in our spiritual heart, is what, if you will, sustains us that one day if we're faithful unto death, that John says in, in Revelations, 1, uh, to Revelations 2 and 10, he says, be faithful unto death, I'll give you a crown of life that fadeth not away, it is because we've allowed that seed to be planted in our spiritual hearts and to germinate what God desires to save. Because, see, God does not desire to save sin. God desires to save the good seed. When they said, let us, let us go and separate the two, Jesus said, no. I'll take care of that because I know those that are mine. Hagios, to be sanctified, to be separated, is to become part of the righteousness of God that is revealed from faith to faith. And that's why in Matthew 6 and 33, the testimony of the seed, the testimony of Christ says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Amen. And his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. But it comes by the seeking of the kingdom. And not only seeking, the implication is, is that you sought the kingdom for what purpose? To find it. Amen. That you may acquire it. To begin to possess it. That it might become part of you, your own. And you become part of it. Back in Colossians, he goes on and says, look. Verse 6. 
when he talks about the word of truth of the gospel, which is come unto you as it is in all the world and bringeth forth fruit. And it doth also in you since the day ye heard of it and knew the grace of God in truth. Verse number seven. As ye also learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ, who also declared unto you, unto us rather, your love in the spirit. For this cause, here we are in our scripture text. For this cause, we also, since the day we heard of it, do not cease to pray for you and and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom, in all spiritual understanding. In all wisdom, in all spiritual understanding, that ye may, what? Walk worthy of the Lord. God is only going to save those who are worthy. He's not going to save everybody. I know there's some religions out there that want to teach that. Oh, you can live like you want to live. It doesn't matter. God's going to save everybody. That ain't how God works. God saves those who are worthy to be saved. And those who are worthy to be saved are those who have acquired the righteousness of God, who have sought the righteousness of God, who have sought the kingdom of God that, that possesses that righteousness. Have held on to it have acquired it by changing their lives from the things of the carnal world and have embraced the things which are of God, that we might walk worthy of the Lord. Some of you may recall other epistles written by Paul. When Paul writes Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 1, one of the things that he says, and he says it in a very humble sense, and he says it, if you will, from the standpoint of, of a spiritual begging. He says, I beseech you. I beg you that you do what? That you walk worthy of the vocation wherein you have been called. To walk worthy of this vocation wherein you have been called. We've been called out of the world into this vocation. This vocation is, a, is, the, is the life of Christianity. It is a righteous life where one walks worthy unto all pleasing being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Strengthened, Lord have mercy. Strengthened with all might, Paul says to the church at Colossae. Strengthened with all might according to his glorious power. Let me tell you something. Since he has all power, he's able to give us some. <laughs> To help us out in due season. Because when we've exhausted all that we can do. Stay with us now. Because you've got to do that. You know that. Amen. When you've exhausted all that you can do. Because see you've got to walk worthy. And so that means that you are doing all you can. To make it into heaven's glory. But in doing that. You've got to know that the devil. Is going to exhaust every personal resource that you have and when he does that the only opportunity you have to be saved is that Christ is able to give you more 
Somebody says, you know, the devil's always on my nerves. That's his job. He's got to exhaust your resources. Amen. Remember when he came to Jesus, he came to Jesus when Jesus was already a hungry, that old English word. He was already starving. Amen. Already, he didn't come to him when Jesus was full of, uh, full of vigor and, and full, full of turkey and ham and cracking. That's not when he, he was already starving. He was physically weak. Lord have mercy. Now stay with me. Don't miss this. He was physically weak. Amen. He had been, if you will, uh, uh, in the wilderness. He had not uh, uh, received any physical sustenance. And that's why he started playing on his, 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 uh, his desire and what he considered his weakness. If thou be the son of God, command that these stones be made bread. He understood what condition he was in. But even though he came to him when he thought, if you will, that in his physical weakness, he would bow down and worship him. He made the mistake to think that the physical weakness also led to a spiritual weakness which is a bad calculation I can be physically weak but spiritually strong because the Lord strengthens my spirit in the midst of my physical weakness I still have God with oh y'all with the Lord this morning when you with the righteousness of God there will come times when you will be physically weak but you still can be spiritually strong. Amen. I know this because of Job. Don't have time to deal with Job. Amen. But Job lets us know that you can be physically weak but spiritually strong. Remember when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane. I'm staying with the testimony of the seed. I want to go to Job, but I got, I can't stay too long over there. But staying with the testimony of the seed. Remember when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane. Amen. And he was he was there. If you will, he was praying. The Bible said that he was praying so intensely that the sweat of his brow was as blood, not blood literally, but as blood, figurative language. But it was giving us an imagery of the intensity of his of his meditation and prayer with the Lord. He became so physically exhausted. Amen. And the devil was in the garden trying to get him to to avoid the cross. The devil knew what it meant if he went to the cross. Amen. But see, you got to understand that when you're physically weak, amen, and you have the Lord on your side, amen, you got all the strength that you need. Because Jesus said at the end of this argument with the devil fighting back and forth and, 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 and discussing what was going on and him trying to, if you will, tempt the Lord Jesus not to go to the cross. Jesus said, let not my will be done, but let thy will be done. Let me tell you something. Jesus was started saying to the Lord, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. You talking about somebody being physically stressed. The blood, the, the, the sweat from his brow was as blood. You talking about physically stressed. Have you ever been to the in a condition where you've been meditating so deeply with the Lord and praying to the Lord where you began to sweat so profusely where the sweat of your brow could be described as blood? The Holy Spirit want, wanted us to get this imagery of what Christ was dealing with when he was being tempted in the garden with the devil, God of Gethsemane. But at the end of it, he said, let not my will be done, but thy will. You know what that means? That even though he may have been physically exhausted, 
Amen. Emotionally distraught. Amen. His spirit was still strengthened by God. And when he was done, the angels came and tended to him and strengthened his body as well. That just lets you know that if you hang on with the Lord, the Lord said, look, I can deal with your physical need, but I need to know your spirit is strong. I need to know your spirit is strong. So we go on. In Colossians 1.11, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power. Unto what? All patience. Lord have mercy. All patience. See, when, you, when you're dealing with the righteousness of God, we, 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 we've got to learn how to be patient about some things. Amen. Amen. The Lord, you know, we, we say this phrase all the time, you know, the Lord doesn't uh, come when you want him, but he always comes on time. Well, you know why he comes on time? Because your faith is waiting on the Lord. Amen. Amen. You're waiting on the Lord. In, in, in Galatians chapter 5 and 5, he says, With, uh, we, we, for we through the Spirit by faith wait for the hope of righteousness. It is our hope that when we, when we are striving to live this godly life, if you will, that one day as Abraham was imputed as being a friend of God and it was imputed unto him righteousness because of his faith, we too, if you will, strive and fight that good fight so that one day we can be imputed unto us as well. That we are the righteousness of God. That we stand, when you're the righteousness of God, you're standing on the right side. You're standing on the right hand of God. Patience is part of the strengthening process that we go through. Being members of the body of Christ, being sanctified by God. Paul says, church, you got to be patient. You got to be patient. And look, look, look. Christianity is not a hundred meter dash. It's a marathon. You got to keep, that's why he said you got to run this race. Amen. And don't be, don't be when, when, you, when, when, you, when you see the Grecians run, when you look at these uh, 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 Isthmian games that you go back in the history of, of, of Rome and, and Greece and you look at how they were competing for this wreath that would eventually uh, uh, decay and, and vanish away after they finished uh, uh, accomplishing all of that, amen. God says, look, when we run this race, this Christian race, we, we run all. Run with discipline. Run with patience. Focus. Determination. Commitment. That one day, if we stay in the race, that we can all receive the crown of righteousness that fadeth not away. That's what Paul says. When Paul says in 2 Timothy 4, Paul is not only talking about himself. Paul says, look, Paul says, I understood what this meant. You know where Paul came from. Paul came from, Paul was a Jew, Hebrew of Hebrews, amen. Paul was a Pharisee. Uh, 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 Paul understood, if you will, the carnalities of the flesh and the perfections that people would want to accomplish in the flesh. But he said, I count all this thing but these things but dung for the excellency of the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Why? Because he understood the difference between temporal things and eternal things. Paul said, I caught all this but done for the excellency of the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I would rather have the seed of knowledge concerning Christ than all these material things in the world. Because that seed of knowledge of Christ is what's going to sustain my spirit that one day I can have eternity. Paul lets us know 
that these things of the world are not as important as the things that are of eternity. Being patient. Long-suffering. Amen. It just simply means suffering long. Amen. Things may not happen when you want it to happen, but you have to stay with the Lord. You have to wait on the Lord. I remember, I remember Isaiah, when Isaiah shared with us about the, the, the importance of waiting on the Lord, Isaiah recalls that when, the, you know, they that wait on the Lord, uh, he, he uses this very powerful language. He says, shall. Not, not, not maybe. Not, you know, there's a possibility. But when you're waiting on the Lord, he says, they shall renew their strength. You see, Christians need to be patient. They need to understand that, that, that there, there, there are things of the spiritual realm that only God has reserved unto himself. But those things he wanted us to know, he revealed. And what he's revealed unto us that in our striving to live Christian lives, we may physically, if you will, strive to the extent where our, our physical bodies, if you will, have exhausted and exerted every point, every amount of energy. But at the end, when, 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 when it comes to continuing to walk worthy, Jesus is able to infuse us with the strength to continue the fight so that we can make it. When this issue happened with the children of Israel in Isaiah 40, in verse number 28, they were struggling. The people of God always struggles because we are in the world even though we're not of the world. And let me tell you something. The world is not going to let you make it to heaven without, without challenging your faith. Amen. The devil ain't going to let you just slide into heaven. He's going to challenge your faith. That's what he did. With, and if he, if he thought he was bold enough to challenge Jesus, you know he's coming at you. Amen. But look what he says. Isaiah does. To the children of Israel. And this message is here for us to read it and to learn from it and to be strengthened. Romans 15 and 4. But Isaiah 40, verse 28, he says, Has thou not known? Has thou not heard? That the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary? There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power. Lord have mercy. That's, I just want to stop right there. He giveth power to who? To the faint. Don't you know when, you at the, when you're at the fainting end, that means that you have exerted all energy you have. But God said, when you get to that point, I'll give you some power. Because I got you, you I, I want you, God is saying, I want you to finish this race. Amen. That's why I thank God being members, being sanctified, you know, really understanding what it means to be sanctified. Not that only Sunday morning sanctification when people say, how you doing this morning? Oh, I'm sanctified, holy, and all that. I ain't even talking about it. But to really know what it means to be sanctified. Because, see, I'm not only sanctified on Sunday, I got Monday through Saturday on my side. You see, because I don't have to wait till Sunday to go to the Lord. You mess with me, I'll go home on Monday. Right when you cut me off on the freeway. Amen. You, you, I'm just trying to help you here. We always have an opportunity to go to the Lord and, and ask him for, and, and I don't need to call the priest up and say, meet me at the rectory either. 
When I'm a child of God, when I've been sanctified, set apart for the call of God, I'm a saint of myself. I got access to the throne room of God. Lord, give me the strength to not go into road rage. Amen. Give, give me the strength to be patient here. This person must be in a rush. Maybe they're late for work. I don't know. Maybe they're trying to get their kid to school on time. I hope they make it. I'm praying for them. Amen. You know, you, you, you've got to be in that, 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 that righteous mindset. Amen. Because whenever you open up the door for the devil, he'll walk in. He already at the door knocking. He's just waiting for you to open the door. Amen. And, 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 all right. So we, he says, look, in Isaiah 40, he says, look, has I not known, has I not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is he weary. There's no searching of his understanding, but he giveth power to the, to the faint. Verse number 29. He giveth power to the faint. And to them, Lord have mercy. He gives you two categories. To the faint, those who are on the verge. And then he says, and to them that have no might, those who have done all they could, and now it is at zero. Amen. But he says, look, he giveth power to the faint and to them that have no might. He increases strength. Lord have mercy. Is that what Paul said in Colossians? Paul said he strengthens us. That strength comes from the Lord. And then he says, look, and I know young people, young people, boy, I tell you, all of us were young once. Amen. And in our generation, we had our own issues that we stood up for. Amen. And some of us still standing up for. But everybody was young once. And, and let me tell you something. And dealing with the issues of life, the social issues of life, the political issues of life, the economic issues of life, the physical issues of life, all these things happen in every generation. And let me tell you something. It gets weary, tiresome. One generation after the next. Solomon was surely right. Nothing's new under the sun. We just call it by different names in our generation. But it's the same stuff. Same stuff, but it makes you weary. So young people, let me say this to you, because a lot of people say, you know, our young people don't have anywhere to go. They don't have anybody to talk to. Look, you need to get them to start talking to the Lord. So you can understand where their strength comes from. Amen. You know, it, 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 you, you don't, what you need is a resource that is able to strengthen you. Amen. And when all the world is upside down, and you can't seem to understand why it is the way that it is, you can always turn to the Lord, and the Lord will give you peace. Amen. There's no searching of his understanding. You're not going to understand every aspect of what's going on in the world. Amen. But we do know that at the end of this, if we're faithful unto death, we can receive a crown of life that fadeth not away. All the stuff in the middle is a bunch of noise. Amen. You try to navigate the waters as much as the, the, the treacherous waters of life as best you can. But keep your focus. Your focus is on Christ. Amen. Do what you have the power to do, the right to do. But keep your focus on Christ. Amen.
Because the Bible teaches us very clearly that this life is going to wax worse and worse. No matter whatever you can do, righteously do, do. But when it comes to the end, know that your focus needs to stay on Christ. Needs to stay on Christ. Youth, Isaiah says. You know, let me. Isaiah, you know, this, this, just, this, just, this just dawned on me. It's a very, very interesting. I don't even know if I've ever shared this before through the text. But Isaiah, the name Isaiah, is actually comes from the same name that we get Jesus. You may not have known that. The the there's in, in the Hebrew language, the evolution of this name. It goes, it really comes, it, it goes into the, the, the Hebrew word which, where we get Ho-Jeshua. Uh, 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 and then it was contracted to Jeshua, which is where we get Joshua. And when you get to Joshua, Joshua is contracted to where you get Jesus. It goes from Isaiah to Ho-Jeshua to Joshua to Jesus. I don't think I've ever shared that with you. Isaiah is the type of Christ, being that he is a prophet, as Jesus is identified as a prophet. Just like the priests, if you will, in the Old Testament, they, they sat in the priestly seat, but they were, if you will, the type of Christ. Just like all the lineage of the kings of David were, if you will, representative of Christ, because Christ is the true king. So you have the prophets, you have the kings, you have the priests who are all, if you will, the anti-type of Jesus who becomes the type. Are y'all with me? So when Isaiah is saying, uh, has I not known, it is a way of us understanding that it's not Isaiah, the man, but it's the Holy Spirit manifesting what Jesus is able to do. Lord have mercy. Well, all right, that's for the master's class. But the Joshua, the... the <laughs> The Jesus of this text, Isaiah, is letting us know that he giveth power to the faint and to them that have no might, he increases strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary. Your youth is not, does not, does not uh, immune you, if you will, from being uh, wearisome, to be fretful, to be stressed out, to, to, to have all kinds of, ch- youth is not. <laughs> Amen. When you're young, that's when you need Jesus the most. <laughs> Amen. When you're old and crusty, you have some kind of hard shell on you at that, you know. The, the, the devil knows he can only do so much. You're like, you know what? I've seen you before. I've seen you before in 1965. You were, see, see, the devil knows you no more, you know. He ain't changed. But to see, the youth are still getting to know the devil. So the devil can still try to play his tricks. But when you're young, God says you need, to, you need to know him so that he can strengthen you in your time of need. Amen. He giveth power to the youth. You shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Verse number 31. He says they shall mount up 
with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Paul tells us in the Colossians text, as we make our way back there, in verse number 10, he says that ye may walk worthy of the Lord. And the only way you're going to walk worthy of the Lord is because God is strengthening you to be found acceptable. To one day be able to enter into heaven's glory, being found acceptable. Verse number 12 in Colossians 1 and 12 as we make our way back here. In Colossians 1 and 12 he says, giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers. And, 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 and the partakers, Lord have mercy. It's sometimes when you read the old English words that have come back from, that have been translated from the Greek text, sometimes you, 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 you miss the, 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 the undergirding meaning of this word, of words. But, but when you look at the idea of partakers, he's now dealing with the issue of fellowship. Having a relationship with God. Lord have mercy. Having a relationship with God. I'm going to read it again. Giving thanks unto the Father which has made us meet to be partakers. To have a relationship with God. So that we can become, if you will, part of the inheritance of the saints in light. Lord have mercy. We are partakers. We, when you obey the gospel, you become a partaker. You become, if you will, in partnership, in fellowship with God. And therefore, you then become brothers with Christ, sisters with Christ, members of the body. Amen. Citizens of the kingdom, priests of the church. Will we now become? And desire to walk worthy. To obtain righteousness. So that one day we can enter in. Into heaven's glory. He says. Become meat. You become worthy to be partakers. Right. For some of us brethren. And uh, brothers literally. When you. When you. When you go back to. Genesis, and you now see the word where he says that uh, Adam saw Eve uh, and she was meat for him. Amen. Now you know what meat means. Amen. She, she's, your, she's your partner. You all have fellowship. You are one of another. Lord have mercy. He couldn't have that with cows, bulls, and, and sheep, and goats. But he could have that with her. Lord have mercy. Meat is what that means. And I'm trying to get you to see it because when you see that, that means, look, when, 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 when she became meat for him, Adam had a job as the head of that household, as a responsibility, as, uh, uh, as being head of it, having dominion in the kingdom. And that was he was to protect the meat just like Christ protects the church. Because that's his role. He's the head of the church, head of the body, head of the bride. And his job and responsibility is to love that bride even as he loves himself. And this is the same communication that Ephesians chapter 5 gives us 
And he says, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. But look in the context that he brings that in, into the context of a marriage. Because they are one of another. Meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Verse number 13. And then he says, who hath delivered us? And, 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 and I'm going to start closing here, but and hath delivered us. When Christ, when we see Christ in our lives and we begin to change our lives so that we become meat to be part of the church, to have uh, a stake in the righteousness of God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, his righteousness. We have the stake of righteousness in God. Romans 1 and 16. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to all those who believe, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. For it is just, for it is written, the just shall live by faith. This, 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 this coming together and becoming the righteousness of God, 2 Corinthians 5, 19 and following. That we might become the righteousness of God. We, 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 we become meat, if you will, uh, 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 and part of the partaking of the inheritance of the saints in life. We become part of that righteousness. And the reason we become part of that righteousness is because we've been transplanted. We've been transferred out of something into something that God desires to save. That God desires to save. And that's why we have to strive to walk worthy. And here's what he means when we talk about the ecclesia, the church, the called out ones, the ones who will become the righteousness of God. He says, who hath been delivered or who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. That's the distinction between only two things. One represents the world and the other represents Christ. We've been delivered out of the power of darkness, which is the representation of the world. And we've been translated into the kingdom of his dear son, which is the church. We've been transplanted. Amen. We've been transplanted so that one day we can be one day we can be saved. When we go back and summarize the righteousness in the and the right hand in Exodus 15 and 6, Moses records, he says, Thy right hand, O Jehovah, is glorious in power. Thy right hand, O Jehovah, dasheth in pieces the enemy. Boy, let me tell you something. The devil don't want you to read that. Because he knows that when you become part of the righteousness of God, you can defeat him. Give him that place, right? Resist him, and he'll flee from you. Jesus showed us that when he was in the wilderness, and the devil kept trying to get him to, to dis be disobedient to God, even to the extent where the devil's real focus was 
for Jesus to bow down and worship him. But Jesus made it very clear because Jesus may have been physically impaired. He may have been physically weak and exhausted to the point of fainting, if you will. But yet his spirit was still strong because Jesus made sure that the devil understood. Man shall not live by bread alone. But by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. That's what, the, that's what Jesus told the devil. He let the devil know, you can say what you want to say. But my spirit still remains with the Lord. Amen. To the extent where when the devil came back with something, Jesus came back with the word of God. It is written. I love the way Jesus deal with that. You see, you just got you look, you just gotta go, you just gotta go there. You see, when you mess around with the devil, don't be playing with the devil. You got to get him off you. And the only way you can deal with the devil, the wickedness and the evil that's in the world, you've got to go to it is written. That's where the power is. The power is in it is written. And every time you saw the prophets of the old, the prophets of the old says, thus said the Lord. That's the same way of saying it is written. It's written. You got to be able to come back with where the power is. And the power is in the word of God. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God. And the word power in that text, as you know, you've said it many times, means dunamis. It's able to blow up some stuff and tear down some stuff. It is the power of God unto salvation. It is written. When you have that fellowship with God through that right hand, you begin to move into a new existence of life. And that new existence of life will lead to this last topic that we'll deal with for the next four weeks is the right hand of salvation. Because when I once, when, when, when I know where the authority is, when I know that the authority is in Christ Jesus, and I know that Christ Jesus has given the, that authority through the writing of the word of God, through the canonization of these epistles, I know that the word of God is, has, has been, if you will, provided so that we might read it and live it and that we may, if you will, be strengthened by it, that we might walk worthy of this vocation. John chapter 16 and 13 makes it very clear that the Holy Spirit of truth, when he came, he guided the apostles into all truth. And Jesus says in 17, John 17 and 17, sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. In John chapter 1 and verse number 14, grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. We beheld the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy, he tells Timothy, he says, 2 Timothy, he tells Timothy, he says, look, Timothy, he says, study it. To show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Rightly dividing. Handing the right. Rightly setting forth what? The word of truth. That's where the power is. It is written. Thus saith the Lord. It is written. And 
so when we look at the right hand of God and we see the testimony of the seed, we're talking about where the authority is, where the power is to overcome this world. And that's why we preach the gospel. So people can get an understanding of where the power is to overcome this world. Now, you can read as many books as your mind will be able to handle and absorb. But let me tell you something. Solomon says so he doesn't speak against books, but he tells you what the outcome of those books may be. He said for, for many books come much madness because many books, many times they contradict themselves. But the word of God is complete. It's complete and succinct for the saving of the soul. And that's why the psalmist says heaven and earth shall pass away, but the word of God shall never pass away. It is from everlasting to everlasting. But that's where the authority is. And then we talked about that idea of being on the right hand was about a position of, of, of honor. And, 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 uh, and that position of honor is, is, only, is only given to those who are worthy. And Christ was worthy. I remember John in the book of Revelations. John says that he was... He was in heaven and, and, and he was witnessing the things that were in heaven and he saw the strong angel and the strong angel had a book in his hand and, 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 and he was uh, searching around heaven and, and he was searching and find, looking for someone who, who was worthy to open up the book and to read the seals thereof. And John says that he looked around heaven and, and, and he looked around on the earth and, and he began to weep because it seemed like there was no one worthy. But the angel told John not to weep any longer for he had found someone worthy to open up the book and to read the seals thereof. He had found Christ and Christ was found worthy to open up the book and to read the seals thereof. And when he began to read those seals, he began to, if you will, to articulate the authority of God. That's why God, Jesus says, he that rejecteth me, John 12 and 48, and receiveth not my word, has one that judgeth him. For the words that, I'm, that I've spoken the same are going to judge you in the last day. Why is that possible, Jesus? Because these are the words of the Father. And he was worthy to open up the book and to read, to read the seals thereof. That's the right hand of God, the authority that we might become righteous because Jesus is righteous. And so we might become what Jesus is. We might begin to manifest that image. And as we just shared this morning and in previous sermons, that is a priority of our lives. To seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness so that all these things will be added unto us. But there's nothing more important to be added unto us than what we end with today. And that is the right hand of salvation. Because one day you want to be saved. You know, it's just not, it's just not about having a religion. Because a lot of people say I'm religious. A lot of people say I'm religious. A lot of people say I believe in God. You know, you hear this all the time all over the place. But if you don't have the right authority... If you don't have the right authority that is given by God, if you don't, if you don't have the word that God has, has presented uh, uh, unto us, then, 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 then your idea of religion is not the one that's going to save your soul. The devil has put a whole lot of religions out here. The devil's put a lot of belief systems out here. And what is the purpose of that? Because he wants to he confuse people. 
to keep them from finding the truth, right? That, 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 that is the perpetuation of him destroying the souls of men to keep them from finding the truth. Because if you find the truth, he knows you're gonna be, you, you will be strengthened and be able to overcome him and to resist him. And so he doesn't want you to find the truth. So he puts all these religious out, religions out here. I gave, uh, I quoted Revelations. I'll go back to Revelations 13 and 16. He, and, 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 and this is the American Standard Version. And he causes all, the small and the great, and the rich and the poor, and the free and the bond, and there be, uh, 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 that there be given them a mark on their right hand or upon their forehead. In other words, amen. There, look, there are all kinds of things that are out here that, going, that, will, that will mark your soul. To keep you from being saved. And that is Satan's job. And they say the, 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 the sign of the beast, 666. That's a sign of confusion. People don't know who they are. They don't know what they are. And they get lost in these various religions and belief systems. These belief systems that cannot save their souls. And the only reason why they cannot save your souls is because they don't have the authority. They don't have the power to save your souls. You cannot become right the righteousness of God in them because it doesn't have the power to make you the righteousness of God. Amen. And at the end of the day, when we get to the end of it, remember what Paul says. Paul says, look, and I'm going to tell you this, and I share this with you because it's, a very, it's, it's, it's very powerful if you, if you take some time and, 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 and live with it and, and absorb it for a while. Let me tell you something. There was a time when Judaism was the saving, uh, the, the, the saving obedience that God gave to man. There was a time for that. Y'all stay with me now because I'm, I'm coming down the road here. The right hand of salvation is the last part of this whole series of sermons. Let me tell you something. The right hand of salvation is not something that you play around with. When we talk about the right hand of salvation, that means that, that, means that you've committed yourself un, un, unto the Lord. And you're striving to walk worthy, irrespective of what goes on in the world. You are, you are walking worthy so that you can one day be saved. The right hand of salvation is important here. Now, there was a time when Judaism was given to the people of God. It was under Moses when they gave them what was called the old law. Amen. Now, I want to be very clear here. There are many covenants throughout the word of God. Adam and Eve had a covenant in the Garden of Eden. There are many covenants. Abraham had a covenant. Amen. There are many covenants. But when it comes to the Old Testament versus the, 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 the Old Law versus the New Law, the Old Testament versus the New Testament, let me tell you something. God called Moses the mediator. And Moses said in Acts, if, well, in the Old Testament, but it was, it was quoted by Luke in Acts chapter 3, if you will, that, 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 uh, that uh, Moses said, uh, 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 God, our father, will raise up a prophet uh, like unto myself. Him shall you hearken unto all things, speaking of Christ. So you have Moses, the Hebrew writer calls it the old law. And then you have Jesus who brings in the New Testament, giving it unto the apostles. But remember, at one time, those who died faithful under those covenants and or the old law, if they died faithful, it wasn't until the death of Christ that the blood of Christ, the righteousness of God, 
roll back and cover those. That's Hebrews 9. And cover those. So it didn't matter what they were doing in those eras where as long as they were obeying God under those dispensations, when God gave them whatever covenant they had, whatever old law they had, as long as they were doing what God said do, they would be saved because of Christ. They would be saved because of Christ. Don't miss this because here I am. When Christ comes and he dies on the cross, that law becomes non-effective in the saving of the soul. In other words, one can obey the old law, but if you obey the old law, you can't be saved under the old law. Because it has waxed, it has been waxed old and, and, and vanished away. It's been nailed, Colossians chapter 2 says and 3 says, to the cross. And now you just have Jesus who has all power and all authority. Now I show you that analogy because at least at one time, Moses had the law. And there were others who had covenant relationships with God where they would be saved. If you don't have either of those in that dispensation, nothing else would save you. You've got to get this. The old law now can't save you. None of those other old covenants can save you. So if you don't have Christ with the New Testament teaching of his word, there is nothing that can save you. There's nothing that can save you. So the right hand of salvation is about getting to the point where you understand that there's only one thing that can save your soul. And that is your relationship with Christ and your obedience to his word. You know, it's not trying to, you know, people have all these different belief systems. They want to follow after this and follow after that and follow. Look, you have a free will. But if you choose to do that, which is contrary to God's word, you have to suffer the consequences of that free will choice. And Jesus says, if you die in your sin, where I am, you cannot come. Our right hand of salvation is about holding on to Jesus. And the only way we hold on to Jesus is by holding on to his word. I don't care what the world say. I'm going to hold on to the word of God. Because the word of God helps me to hold on to the right hand of Jesus. And I know that as long as I'm holding on to the right hand of Jesus, I can make it home to heaven's glory. That's what I'm going to do. And I pray that you desire to, desire to do the same. Because there's a lot of provocative things out here in the world that can distract you. That can distract you. There's a lot of provocative things that can distract you. But I think we need to look unto Jesus. I think we need to do what the Hebrew writer said when, when uh, uh, he was uh, answering the, the, uh, the diaspora, the Jews, the Hebrews who were scattered abroad. When they were asking questions about why they should follow after Christ and, and why, was, uh, why was it so important uh, uh, to follow after Christ. Well, I, 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 I tell you this. Without Christ, he made it very clear that you cannot be saved. In Hebrews chapter 12, I'm closed here. In verse number one, as I was making the analogy between the old law and the new law, 
Jesus made it very clear to the Hebrews who were under the old law at one time. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, lay aside every, let us lay aside every weight and sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking, looking unto Adam, looking unto Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Looking unto Moses, looking unto Elijah and Elisha, looking unto the faithful prophets of the Old Testament, Michael and Hosea, Ezekiel, Amos, looking Malachi. Habakkuk, Zephaniah, looking unto them? No, but they were faithful. That ain't the point. They have no authority to save. You got to look unto Jesus. You got to look unto Jesus because what? Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. That's who I'm going to hold on to. That's who I'm going to hold on to. And as long as we hold on to him, I know heaven can be our home. The right hand of salvation will finish these thoughts over the next few weeks. God bless us to live. But this morning, I pray that you've heard his word. Romans 10 and 17 says, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Hebrews 11 and 6 says, but without faith is impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Matthew 6 and 33 says, seek ye first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, all these things shall be added unto you. We have to repent of our sins. Luke 13, 3 and 5, I tell you nay, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. But God doesn't want anybody to perish. God wants us to all be saved. Peter says, one day with God is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like one day. Wishing unto perish, but that all should come unto repentance. God wants you to be saved. You got to know that you don't have time on your side, because time is all in the hands of God. But he wants you to be saved. Confessing Jesus Christ to be the Son of God, Romans 10 and 9, with the mouth we confess Christ Jesus. Romans 10 and, 2, 10 and 10, with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. God wants you to be saved. Going down to the watery grave of baptism, as Paul said in the Colossian text, we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin. God adds you to the church, adds you to the kingdom, adds you to his body. You become the children of God, the good seed, harvested from the good place. May God bless you. May God keep you. As we stand and sing the invitational song, why don't you come? Wash away. Nothing but the blood.